Tell me, does it seem lately like people around you are hesitant to discuss Christianity? I'm Mike Sullivan, and ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with history and theology. And I'm inviting a new conversation to explore those questions about Christianity that you've always wondered about, but never really felt comfortable asking. Together, we'll boldly look into the historical accuracy of everything we've been taught in order to understand where these ideas really came from as we separate fact from myth and more deeply explore the messages and mindsets that make up the true core of this faith. I'm Mike Sullivan, and welcome to the Origins of Christianity. Scene one. Hello, Internet world, and welcome back to the world of Sam and Dimitri and Mike. We are now taping part four of our continuing series on the origins of Christianity. If you're watching this, you've probably seen at least one of the past three ones, but Fundamentally, we decided to take an objective look on what Christianity is. We're going to look back through history and use the historical critical method and see what there actually was, what it actually was at its origin so that we can get a better handle on it. And that's what we're doing in these series of videos. Uh, before I get too far started, though, I want to do introductions like we do every time. I am Michael Sullivan. I'm Demetria Sullivan. I am Samantha Kelty. I didn't really mean for you guys to talk yet. Oh. <laughs> You think we'd know. <laughs> so I'm you know, a lifelong student of theology, even though I'm a lawyer by trade. And, and these two here are for color commentary, right? Yeah. Demetria and Sam are both seniors. And a little eye candy, yeah. baby. <laughs> well, drink it in, folks. <laughs> drink it in. <laughs> so, but we usually start off with a little check-in on um, the love lives. Yes. Oh, and we almost forgot. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Bob's the man. Today, Bob is wearing a shirt uh -huh. that is pretty damn depressing. It, it says is. things will be okay, and there's an asteroid about to hit the dinosaurs. Yeah, that's that's Bob, though. Yeah. You know? Bob's what kind do you of expect a from Bob? dark humor kind of a guy. I mean, if he was wearing a shirt, any other shirt, yeah. it would kind as of As long be. as he doesn't talk our ear off like he does every time, we'll be fine. <laughs> Silent Bob. Silent How Bob. How is your love life, Sam? Last time I checked in, we did this about every month. Yes. Uh, there was some old Southern money. Oh. And he wasn't a committed boyfriend, but you were flying out to see him. Now he is the committed, com committed boyfriend. boyfriend. We are testing on distance. I'm pretty happy with it because mm. I feel like who I am as a person. I'm pretty, I wouldn't say independent. Well, I am. But, like, I don't need someone constantly, like, next to me. So, like, mm. the long distance doesn't scare How's me. How's he taking it, though? lovely he's the one that was like i want to do this so right. we're doing well, it stepped up he made her a dinner yeah he and he was dinner. like i want you to be my girlfriend a man who cooks uh, mm. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. and dimitri i understand the last time you were broken up <laughs> Dude, with your boyfriend i seriously like can't even do this every month like, <laughs> i can't do this again how, how do you think we, we feel about it <laughs> uh, do you have a boyfriend now dimitri you were single last time uh, yeah. You do? How no. Long, how long is, oh, were you playing with me? Yeah. Uh, she was playing with me downstairs. I knew you were able to do it. I knew you were able yeah. To do it. Or maybe I mean, who's even... named Truman? Yeah. A boyfriend named Truman. That's ridiculous. All right. Let's get on to the meat of artists. You just gave her a look. She does have a boyfriend named Truman. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. And it's 24 hours old, right? Uh, yeah. I, I give up. We're going to stop this. <laughs> I just, Check in next month. Who I've knows lost where I'll be. Here's the next. key, folks. When you have a young daughter, <laughs> do not invest yourself in the concept of any one boyfriend until such time as they've been dating at least six months. Because, you know, you got to play the field. you got to see what's out there. you got to find the right mate for you. You're right. True that. Hmm. Man's name is Truman, huh? 
<laughs> it's his middle name. <laughs> That's same with Strother. It's yeah, his middle it's name. Not Sometimes <laughs> the middle name is a bit out there, and I can't All help. Right. I All honestly right. appreciate a good middle name. This was name. an amusing start, but we have to stop this. Sorry, your middle name is Ward. <laughs> As in Ward, I'm worried about the beef. Ward's a cool name. Okay. Hmm. So anyway, and what we did is we we did part one. And we talked about belief systems and how like you get attached to belief systems and how it takes a lot of courage to directly look objectively at your belief systems, but we decided to do it. And in part two, we looked at all the evidence to see whether Jesus actually existed. And we determined that Jesus did exist, but we also determined that like any one thing he said or did, you don't really know if it's true or not, because it's like at least a, a generation of oral tradition. And so when, we, when I say going forward, like Jesus this, Jesus that, what we're really talking about is the Jesus tradition, which is the first, you know, Jesus and then the disciples afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we did part three Ooh. last time, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> and I just can't stop watching in, Bob. And part, part three, ladies. It's not me. It's hey, your color commentary. It's not me. You're not the main show. You're the color okay, commentary. Okay, it's just like, let's, okay, let's get going. <laughs> yeah, well, part three. We talked about Jesus in his time. And remember, we talked about how there's all these different groups and how Jesus didn't fit into any one of them. Um, he wasn't a zealot, didn't want to overthrow Rome, didn't really talk much about social revolution. He wasn't educated. He talked to blue collar people. Um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were very rule oriented. You know, the type of people I'm talking about, like they're moral, they're good. They're a little bit superior to you. Right. Right. And they had rules for everything. And the way to get through he to heaven was to follow the rules. And remember how we talked about how it binds together the culture. They're an occupied country. And the law was so important to them. It's like their culture, their family, everything. And Jesus was just like not signing up for that. And so he was making everybody angry. And we talked about that a lot last time. This time, I think we're going to do something a little more positive, which is to say, what was the core of the message? What was the core of the idea of Jesus and the people that came after him? How they were living, what they were doing. Remember at the beginning, I said, this is not supposed to be preachy. I'm not proselytizing by doing this, right? This is an exploration. Right. It's hard not to be preachy when you talk about what Jesus was about. It was like I was going through it and preparing, and I thought, this sounds kind of preachy, because Jesus was a preacher. Yeah. And he had lofty ideas, and those ideas inspired a lot of people. So I just want to say that up front because, like, when I start saying, well, Jesus is like this, and this was the philosophy, and this was the thinking, and this is what he did, then it can kind of come off like I'm trying to convince, but I'm not. I'm just trying to expose. All good? Yes. All good. You guys ready? You, settled, you seem like a little settled down. Well, yeah, that <laughs> a long rant just. Yeah, it settles you down. Killed the mood. Killed yeah, the killed mood, the mood. For sure. <laughs> Well, we talked last time about Jesus was revolutionary, sort of stood above the law, sort of stood for things beyond the law. We concluded with, the, remember the story of the adulterous woman? Mm -hmm. So the Pharisees are testing him and saying, oh, she got caught in the act of adultery. Should we stone her oh. to death? <laughs> right? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the penalty, stone her to death. Right. And Jesus was like, okay, if you're without sin, you cast a first stone. And they're like, oh, right? Yeah. So we talked about that. Yeah, that was kind of a big oops. We talked about how the, the prodigal, how Jesus really was into the people that were sort of lost inside themselves, the Samaritans, the poor, 
These were Jesus' people. That's who he liked. That's who he was focused on. Talked about the prodigal son, and he wastes all his father's money and comes home. The father forgives him. Father is the Jesus, this God figure, right? You're talking about Abba. God yeah. is like a parent, loves, loves a kid like a mom waiting for their teenager to get home at night. Like, that's mm -hmm. how God feels, right? That's, how we, that's what we talked about last time. So going, but in a positive way, not, a, not in the way that um, describing what Jesus was, you know, opposed to or how he didn't fit into his time. But in a positive way, the question becomes, what is, uh, what was Jesus saying about what God's will is? What does God want in Jesus' worldview? What does he want? Cheese and crackers? Mm, yeah. Maybe some pizza. pita. <laughs> uh, he wants love. He wants Sam. What does God want yeah. in Jesus' view? We'll, we'll be. Jesus talking about God. What does God want? He wants everyone to listen to him. He wants them all to follow the rules? Yeah. We'll follow God. What does that mean? Like he wants everyone to believe in him. Hmm. This seems to be a big one. It's like the Not second said. commandment. Mm, I'll tell you what God, God wants in Jesus' worldview. He wants the well-being of humanity. Mm. This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying God is not the guy with a bunch of rules you have to follow. God wants human beings to be well. That was his main, main idea. He wants to help, to heal, to save, to liberate. Yeah, I just feel like... He would say the kingdom of God is at hand. So if you're trapped within yourself, he wants you to be freed. This is what fair. God wants. And that was a new idea that was dangerous to yeah. the old. It was dangerous to the old man. I mean, when you think about it, uh, Jesus would say, you don't pour new wine into old wineskins because they'll break. Right? He says, you don't patch up clothes that are worn out out the door, something was new. And so, like, there was a hierarchy at the time, so how do you feel about that if you're in the hierarchy? Right, so you have the power, what'd you do in the water? So there's a hierarchy, right, but it's only val, and you're in the hierarchy, right? You're in the Sanhedrin, you're a Pharisee, you're better than everyone else, yeah. but he relativized it. He yeah. made it so it's only good insofar as it serves the betterment of humanity, right? There was the, um, Service to fellow man takes precedence over Sunday worship. So, like, caring for each other was more important than, like, following the traditions of the time, or even today. There was an ethics of purity of heart. There was, he would say, if you are going to go to the temple and you're fighting with your brother, don't go to the temple. First, reconcile with your brother. Then go to the temple. That's what Jesus would say. And that was sort of scandalous, right? Because you're supposed to go to the temple. Because yeah, that's what God forbid. Right? So that was kind of that was kind of the message. So I wrote here is all norms, institutions. Hey, all norms like cultural norms, right? Mm -hmm. Kardashians. What else is in our cultural norm? And TV. The housewives. Yeah. housewives. Yeah. All cultural Don't norms. Give them PTSD. You're right. Yeah. Laws, precepts, it. edicts, statutes, cultural norms, habits, dogmas, dress codes legal clauses are valid in this philosophy only in accordance with how they serve humanity's well-being. Hmm. 
That, of course, was a radical departure, very dangerous. To the average Jew, that was scandalous because it, it relativized. It relativized a lot. It relativized everything that they, that they knew. Um, what then is the behavioral norm? If, God, if God's will is for people to be well, like be healthy and happy, right? Mm-hmm. Then what is the main rule? We have all well, we the Ten Commandments. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't kill, worship God, don't take God's name in vain. But, God, but Jesus replaced that, right? Not replaced it, but had a bigger commandment that superseded that. You must know this. You went to, I sent you to religious schools. <laughs> what is the core principle? The core behavioral norm. Love others. Treat others how you want to be treated. No, that's the golden rule. No, that's good. That's good. Because that's derivative. It's love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Right? So this was... Doesn't that sound like really culty to you? Culty? How so? Like it's always about God. Like... They're like, love others, but love God. Love God or you won't make it to heaven. Like, And then they're like, you have to keep holy the Sabbath. Don't say my name in vain. Like, Make sure you adore me. It sounds pretty culty. Sounds kind of culty? Yeah. All these rules? Yeah. Yeah, but you just went through all the Ten Commandment rules, right? That's what I'm saying is Jesus said well, I know, not but... so much as love each other. Yeah, and that's fair, and that's great. But um, yeah. you just don't like it anyway. I just feel like. <laughs> hmm. well, what do you, do you see the cool team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you say when you say like, love, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Well, how does that make you feel? Uh, to be real, it's like I like the idea of it, but I don't like that it's coming from like a biblical. You don't like it coming from God's source. Yeah, I don't like it coming from a God source. Mm-hmm. You want I, it just to come because of your human being. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't like it being rooted in some. So you type like the second way. part, but not the first part. Yes. Yeah, you want it to be just people loving each other. Yeah. It does. God really doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you're a big atheist. Exactly. It's true. It's <laughs> <We laughs> true. Both are. Well, I'll tell you more a about that. Little bias. Let me keep going through it though. Yeah, we'll, no, I it's think fair. There's more like, to Jesus it. said some cool stuff. Keep going. Well, I mean, I'm just just telling you what he said. Yeah. Right. So in, in this, in this um, way of being, you know, Jesus uses the word love very sparingly. He didn't say love very much, only in this actual context, but I think. But everything he did was permeated with that. Everything he said had that behind it. It was all about loving God and loving each other. So loving God was, was the metaphysical basis for the reason why you would, you would love other people. Love of God without love of people is not love. So if someone is pious and they love God, but they don't love the people around them, it's a, what do they say in uh, Corinthians? It's a, you're empty, you're a clanging bell or clanging cymbal. You're, mm. you're noisy, but you're not having any meetings. Yeah, something like that. You know, it's at at weddings. Oh yeah, it is. Or no pious talk when you're supposed to be helping someone. Oh, the, the, what, the best parable that kind of describes this was the, the field workers. So the guy goes out and he says, okay, all you people come work in my field. And I'll pay you a day's wage. And they do. And then it's at noon. He goes, I get some more. Come work in my field and I'll pay you at 
midday and then at evening he gets to different groups at the end of the day he gives everybody the same amount mm -hmm. he gives all the workers the same wage as if they'd worked the whole day mm. right and then and then the ones that just were working since the morning said hey that's not fair we've been working since the morning mm -hmm. and then the god figure the owner says you got what you deserved you got a day's wage right yeah. so and the, the analogy being that um, the love is given equally irrespective of what you deserve or don't deserve and this is the core of what early Christianity was about was the idea that love was given freely to everybody all the time you loved your neighbor as yourself uh, Another thing is, it's interesting, is that it was love of neighbor, right? Jesus didn't say like, oh, I um, go love all humanity. That yeah. wasn't it. Why? I mean, it's why, it's, why is it love of neighbor? Why is that? Because yeah. it's not, like, it's, it's like, it could be a random person. Well, I have like the children in Africa. I sent them 20 bucks a month. Oh God, yeah, yeah you have to just like share that. Well, I'm just saying, okay, but that's not that hard. All you gotta do is write a check. Yeah. I never met them. Yeah. I never fed them. Yeah. I've never seen them. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. love of neighbors is really more about like living it in your life concretely all the time. Like mm -hmm. it was about action. It's about connections. Like love means like personal. It's personal. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's really what it's about. I mean, they had this this uh, thing recently, not recently, a couple years ago I read about where they did a test on a bunch of seminarians, people that want to be priests. And they had this homeless person that needed help, but they were late for class. Mm. And they tested them because they said, to them, okay, oh, you're yeah, late for class. Oh yeah, we learned that one. Oh, you did learn that one? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And like half of them just walked by the homeless person. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, half of them didn't, mm -hmm. but yeah. the point being like with, with the, this Jesus tradition, it's concrete, it's here and now, it's action. It's like you love the person that's in front of you. And that is what the ethic is. It isn't about a broader based theoretical philosophical love. Even though of course it's good to send money to the kids in Africa, right? Mm -hmm. That's cool, absolutely cool. But it was more concrete than that. So in, 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 this, in this idea of loving your neighbor, um, you know, that brings up the golden rule, which is you, know, you treat others like you'd want to be treated. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. And then, how, what, what, what do you, should, what about judging other people? Like, are you supposed to do that? No, I supposed to do that. shouldn't, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Mm. I try. Sam a little more harshly than others. I try <laughs> to consciously not, though, but sometimes I just can't help with it. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It is. I really try really hard to be like just let it be but, but in this philosophy <laughs> in this philosophy the the extent to which you love God is measured exactly by how you love people because there's no difference in terms of where it's coming from in you see what I mean so look I know you guys are being atheists right but uh, this is a this is a people that all believed in God Right, so they all there was nobody that didn't believe in God, and God was the center of everything, and God's law was the center of everything, and that's been true for most cultures, most people, and almost all of history, and and so what Jesus was doing is transforming this idea of that, if you want to love God, you love people, we can tell how much you love God 
by how you love, how much you love people, right? Um, and this is where it gets dirty, okay? This is where it gets ghetto. Is Mary Magdalene coming in? No. <laughs> Although that's a misconception. But I'm no. But, um, the, the, the part that really set the Jesus tradition apart was the idea that you're supposed to love your enemies. Jesus would say, look at this, look at from, from Matthew, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. I, I, I've, you've heard the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I give you a new commandment, right? Be, do good to those who hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that treat you with contempt. So that was different. <laughs> I'm not a fan of those ideals. You're not a fan of those ideals. Not that I shouldn't pray for people that have done me wrong, but I, as Taylor Swift once said, they're <laughs> indifferent to me. Like I just uh, for, like put them just, behind you. Yeah, rather than hate or like pray for them, it's just like it's done. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you ever have an experience where you benefited from responding to someone who wasn't treating you right? in a more loving way than like, because look, if someone's mean to you, like let's say someone's talking behind your back. Right. Okay, then you, you know don't like I'm them. And you go to your mm -hmm. friend, what'd you say? I said, you know who I'm thinking of. Yeah, let's say that somebody's not nice to you. They talk behind your back. What you naturally would do is you go and tell your friends that how much you hate that person. Yeah. Right? Oh, I, I, I mean, yeah, we all do that. It's yeah, just yeah. natural. Like just the other day, I was talking to my friend in my car about this guy, a lawyer I knew who used to work for me, and now he's off on his own. I don't like the way he treated me, so I said, I hope he dies of dysentery. No, nope. oh, you probably should not <laughs> publicize that, Bob. Cut that out. No, it's okay. But I, I don't really mean it. I'm just expressing an emotion. You yeah. Know? You yeah. Know? Do you know what I mean? But have you ever seen anybody sort of go the other way with it? Like, you know what I mean? You know, when you see, have you ever seen people that can just respond lovingly to someone who's not being nice to them and seeing the effect of that. Have you ever had that experience? I don't think I, don't I think ever so. have. Everybody yeah. just kind of like decides who their friends and enemies are and they love their friends and they hate their enemies. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? It's evolutionary. Yeah. It's evolutionary. It's a deep in our biology. Yeah. We form into groups and we try a social hierarchy. Yeah. And that's why they had in Judaism, there is this, in 20 BC, there was a famous rabbi, Hillel, who said, who did have the, the golden rule, but he said, but not for enemies. Right? Even Confucius spoke of love of man, but he said, repay goodness for, with goodness, but wrongdoing with justice. Mm. Right? But Jesus said, do not uh, repay uh, evil with evil, but conquer evil with good. So he was always forgiving. He was like, he just didn't approach it the same way as everyone else in the world does every time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just different. It's an unmistakable originality. That it never, you just don't see this anywhere. The yeah. idea, or you rarely see it, you so rarely see it, where someone gets hurt and responds with love. You know, it's like, it just isn't, like you said, it's not biological, yeah. right? But this is what he was saying. It's uh, a love that doesn't know any bounds. And, and by, by doing this, he created, the, he broke like the natural divisions that are ensconced within the way humanity organizes itself. So uh, law-abiding citizens versus uh, criminals. 
Bible biases are good, some of those are bad, right? Um, women versus men, back in the back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, natures, religions, religions, uh, ch churches. There's a practical universalism, universalism to what he was doing. It was a radical kind of openness where all human beings were on a sort of level playing field by virtue of the fact that God had commanded them to love each other. It stops, it stops the natural way we organize ourselves. Yeah. Right? So it's overcoming demarcation lines wherever they're drawn. Now isn't, this is, this is the question, isn't this too much of an ideal? I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like let's say some, somebody treats me wrong, am I supposed to drive to their house and just give them money? No. You know, it doesn't make sense. Why is it that you would do this? Why is it that you would do this? And the answer for Jesus is because um, that's how God sees people. And you want to imitate that. So God is like a parent. Let's say you're, uh, who's a bad guy in the news these days? Uh, not that bad. Like, you guys know Rudy? Rudy, Rudy, that movie? He's a big football hero. He had, overcame all these odds in Notre Dame, but later in his life, he was found to be embezzling. Mm. And he went to jail. And everyone thought, oh, he's a hypocrite. Because he had all these ideals, mm -hmm. but he didn't live up to them. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I, when I, the way I was thinking about it is, so no one likes him. Or Michael Jackson. Mm. Yeah, the thing on Michael Jackson, he's a pedophile, right? Yeah. So he's a jerk. He's a bad guy. Yeah. Right? Not a good guy. I mean, he made a lot of beautiful music. He's a human being, so he's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. Right? But he's got some badness in him. He did yeah. some bad things. Um, so how would that fit in uh, Jesus' worldview? Well, to be fair, he did he, love the children. Yeah. He, uh -oh. That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just being weird. <laughs> I think... Mr. Attorney, shouldn't you add the word allegedly to that? Mm-mm. No, because he's dead, yeah. And besides, he totally did it. Here's, here's the point, I think, of what the Christian message was at the, at the, in its origins was, let's say you were Michael Jackson's mom, and you knew about his whole life. Yeah. You know, what, how would you feel about him? Well, the whole family denies it. I think it's hard to, like, admit something like that to yeah. yourself. But let's say you did admit it to yourself, and you're his mom. Well, because it's just, like, one part of the person. Yeah. It's like a lot of other parts. So if you were Michael Jackson's mom and you knew the truth, you'd still love him, right? Yeah. I mean, and you would say, well, maybe he can get better. Yeah. Maybe he can get treatment. And yeah, you hurt people, but, you know, he's still a good boy. Yeah. I still love him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because you're his mom. Yeah. Right? You can't help it. You yeah. just, it doesn't matter. You're always going to be on his side. Um, even though, even though you may, even if you think maybe he has to go to jail, or even if you think he has to pay a lawsuit, or even if you think he has to apologize, or even if you have to do something to help his victims, yeah. you're going to love him. You're going to see him through the eyes of forgiveness. You're going to want him to have a second chance. Yeah. Right. So this is what I think they're talking about. He's talking about when he says love your enemies. He's saying talking about seeing everybody through God's eyes. If you could see everybody and everything through God's eyes, then changes, it changes everything. It makes the perspective different, right? Your perspective becomes different. Everyone that you are encountering with or fighting with or your enemies, you're not going to see them. If you saw them through God's eyes, you wouldn't see them the way you see them through your own eyes when you're just mad at them. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone talks bad behind your back, you would naturally go and tell, like, you know, you tell Demetria, this person's such a jerk. 
But if you were that person's mom or you saw that person through God's eyes, you would say, it might it would change things. You might say, well, why are they doing that? What's going on with them? Like, how can I help them? Like, how can I talk to them? What can I do? And it changes your orientation. So there's a fundamental shift. So when Jesus talks about radical love, he's talking about adopting a, a deep, different perspective on all of your relationships and even yourself if you look at the way God appears in the Jesus stories the parables he'll say he's a forgiving judge right he's the father welcoming home the prodigal son he's the lender that forgives a debt he's a man uh, who sees a treasure in the field and then he's like I gotta have this treasure because it's worth so much money and then uh, he goes and he sells everything he owns, right? Mm -hmm. And he buys the field, so you're gonna have the treasure. And that's a God figure, mm -hmm. right, doing that. Now, that's the guy buying the field, but what is the treasure? Anyone? Anyone? Human beings? The treasure is you, the treasure is you. That's what Jesus is saying is that's God's orientation towards you. He'll sell everything, he's just, he loves you that much. And so when, when, when it comes to us treating each other, and that's why you say, well, I don't like the God part. The reason yeah. the God part is so central in Christianity is because that's the reason you have it in you is because that's how God loves you. Mm. Because God's shown you that, you felt it, you know it, and it spreads through you to other people. It gives you the reason why you can see things like God does or love the way God does. And that's why the first part, love God with your whole soul and your whole mind, is important because by doing that, you, you dedicate yourself to a perspective on, on, um, that transcends your, nat your otherwise survivability state. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So in this sense, this is truly radical. I mean, it's beyond just Jesus not fitting in in this time. It's, he doesn't fit in now. He's not on the left. He's not on the right. You know, he, he's, he's, it's a more, it's a more deep, deep challenge, um, to human nature as it appears to be. Uh, I have, it's a radicalism of love rooted in God, bluntly real, which rises above any ideology a human being has. So you could, I could do this for either political party, but I'll say, let's say you're a liberal. Okay. And you think I like to save the earth. And I like to give people civil rights, and I like the government to do good things for society. Republicans don't like that. They're a bunch of dicks, right? Or you could be a conservative and say, I like for society to progress, and I like to protect our fundamental values, and I like to do other things. But liberals are stupid. They don't understand. It's like the Christianity thing is just beyond that. Right? Yeah. Because it's like everybody is, is loved by God. Everyone should orient themselves towards caring for one another. That simple. doesn't mean you can't disagree, but vilifying your opponent, hating your opponent, like making disagreement a source of selfishness and hatred is, it's, it's just totally different, see? It's just different. It's not like any way that we think otherwise. And not like anyone thought before Jesus otherwise, which is why it was so radical. Um... And it means, and it has some implications. One is radical uh, forgiveness. So they asked Jesus, how often must you forgive your brother? And 
Do you have anyone you hold grudges against? Yeah. Yeah? Wait, tell me. I won't get mad at you or anything. You know who. Oh. Oh, you don't want to talk about it? Well, I don't want to call well, this video. I become famous. Give him a different name. Abraham. Abraham. Why do you hold a grudge against Abraham? Because I just can't stand him. Because <laughs> you can't like, stand him? Like, he's just, his mind is wrong. He's turned his, the wrong way. How is his mind like, wrong? Like, we just don't see the world the same way. How does, well, but you said his mind is wrong. What's wrong with it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck that guy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, since we're on tape in front of the whole world, you mean, screw that guy. Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, Sorry. but why? You, hold, you not want to talk about it? It's okay. You know, no, it's like we can talk about it. Yeah. Why do you hold a grudge? Well, do you remember? The Like, I, I was oh, over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, really yeah. But then it's like, oh, that all came out so of left field. And I was like, well, stuff. screw you. Said but it's probably just because he was saying shit about me, so then I got mad you got, yeah, so yeah. you got mad at him, he got mad at you, yeah. you got mad at him, but and he escalates, yeah. escalates, 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 yeah. right? Yeah. So this is not It's forgiveness. not productive, mm -mm. but I don't want to forgive. Well, you're in a fight, and it's cool, like, no one's judging anybody for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, but the point, you see, the point is, like, it's so easy to see what's wrong with somebody else. It's so hard to see what's wrong with yourself. Yeah. And when you get in conflict with someone, we naturally think this is why this person is wrong and this is why I'm right. Yeah. And then we start hitting them over the head with it. Right? Yeah. But this is, what are you guys whispering about? You're not supposed to whisper in class. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna pass We're notes. We're in class. <laughs> You're gonna pass notes I next? passed notes in class the other day for the first time. Oh, uh, that must have been refreshing. It was freeing. Yeah. <laughs> So, but it's not comporting with, I mean, look, this is the cycle, right? And you see it on national levels, right? You know, tit for tat, get angry, but yeah. shoot each other in the face with a bazooka. Yeah. yeah, this is what we're talking about, radical forgiveness. So then Jesus would say, um, hey, if you see a, a splinter in your brother's eye, why don't you take the log out of your own eye first, you hypocrite, right? Because we are hypocrites. We, we tend to like look at other people and see all their faults, but we don't notice our own faults. And then we don't get anywhere because we're not like getting to be better people. We're just yeah. sanctimonious and sanctimonious retreat against the world. And we, what do they say? Don't uh, get angry with people whose sins are different than yours. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. And there's a parable of the unmerciful servant. So what happened is this guy owes his boss some money and he goes to the boss and says, I can't pay you back. And if the boss wants to, you can throw him, throw him in debtor's prison. That's what, back in the day, if you owed money, you couldn't pay, you went to jail until you paid it, which you couldn't pay because you didn't work. So you rotted there the rest of your life, okay? So the boss says, you can't pay it back. And the guy says, I can't pay it back. And the boss says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to forgive the debt. I'm going to let you free of your debt, mm -hmm. which is really nice, right? Yeah. And then this servant goes to a, a, a lesser servant who owes him a little bit of money and he can't pay it back. And in his response, this servant who's been forgiven his debt mm -hmm. is to beat his underling and throw him into debtor's prison. Well, the, the boss finds out and goes, you son of a bitch. I <laughs> forgave you all this money and you couldn't even forgive this, this little bit to this guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, now I'm throwing you in prison and you're not getting out until you pay the last penny. And Jesus actually says that. I solemnly assure you, you will not be out until you pay the last penny. The idea being, like, here's God with this magnanimous forgiveness, and we can't, if we can't turn to this way of thinking, we're lost. We're just yeah. lost. So we're always going to be stuck 
Um, we're always going to be stuck in selfishness. And that's what Jesus is saying, is that when you have, for, with forgiveness comes release of, what is the other saying I've heard? Um, resentment is like giving someone else, or drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Right? So it's liberation. It, but it's, it's a demand. It's not a, Jesus is like, look, this is required. And I think what he means by that is in life, this is required. If you don't do it, you're screwed. You've got to adopt a mantle of love and forgiveness to the people around you. And that comes from the example of God who forgives the big debt. Because as you get older, you may not know this yet. But as you get older, you find out within yourself you're capable of great evil. And you'll hurt the ones you love. And you need forgiveness. And it becomes more and more apparent as you go through life. And then you become more and more inclined to give it. And then this law of love also... Uh, demands service to other people. It's typical of Jesus to demand self-denying service regardless of rank. So he's got this, Jesus like uh, washed the feet of his disciples, right? Like back in those days, you walked and walked and walked and you got dirty and they would wash your feet week before going out. Washing somebody's feet is a gnarly thing to do. You know what I'm saying? It's a very humbling act. I mean, you're on your knees, you're washing their feet. Jesus did that. And, uh, you know, what was really cool is, you know, I don't know if you heard of the Pope did that, the current yeah. Pope. He was supposed to wash the feet of the cardinals. He didn't show up. He went to this prison full of felons and Muslims and washed their feet. Mm. Must be try hard. I know. <laughs> it's like I, we I got to tell you, the guy's putting in the OT on the Christianity. Yeah, <laughs> the OT. On the Christianity, right? Uh-huh. So service is like, it's radical because we have a dominance hierarchy. So like I run a law firm and I've got partners and we all get shares and we split it up and whoever's the best gets the most money. And it's true all over the world. You see it in market economies. Yeah, even without market economies, you see it. This is human nature. We all try and do better for ourselves and our families. But he's talking about service as, he's just changing that. It's like he's not saying, no, 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 you're here to serve other people. And you're like, well, I, I thought I was supposed to get uh, money. <laughs> yeah. But no, no, he's talking about, and you can see of his leadership as service, like actualizing your potential, giving away the gifts inside yourself. And so your orientation becomes about what you can give, not about what you can get. And a lot of parables, you know, support this concept. He, he says, like, if, if you would exalt yourself, you have to lower yourself. If you're going to lower yourself, if you're going to lower yourself, you'll become exalted and vice versa. So he says, if you go to a party and at the head of the, like I'll say it's a wedding party and you want to sit at the head of the table. If you go up there and sit there, they'll say, hey, wait a minute, you're not, you're not, you're not part of the wedding party. You got to go sit in the back at the kid's table. But so he says, go to the party, sit at the kid's table, and then maybe they'll recognize you and put you at the, at the head table. The idea being that if you have an orientation of mm, not making a big deal out of yourself, you know, don't get a big head, dad, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. If, you're, if you have humility, it, the dividends that it pays are is being perceived as authentic by all kinds of people and even yourself such that it reorganizes the way people see each other, the way people structure their hierarchy. You know, they look for people that are true, like that have real authenticity and are genuinely trying to give something that's attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to people who are just trying to get, 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 get. Mm-hmm. Fair. And finally, there's a renunciation, this, this call of radical charity that 
this, this is what, how the early Christians lived, you understand? It's like Jesus was saying this stuff, the people were hearing the stories, they started to live this way, they started to treat each other this way. The, and then after Jesus died, they more and more communities built out, built out. This is how they lived. They helped each other. They gave each other. If they needed help, they helped. If they were honest with each other, they forgave each other. They thought of each other as brothers and sisters. This is how Christianity started, how it, how it blew up into something. That, that's where its power came from. Yeah. Was this idea of unlimited love. Like, no kidding. No kidding. We're not going to live like everybody else. We're going to. Yeah. So anyway, there was the... Uh, I think the last point here was the um, the renunciation of valuing things more uh, than you love. So Jesus said, if someone asks you to walk a mile with them, walk too. If someone takes your coat off of them, you should as well. If someone hits you on the cheek, show them. Don't hit them back. I think what this means is there's things that you have inside you that you want more than the love that you have inside you. And so those things will block you and hurt you. Um, if you have anxiety, you know, you hold on to it so hard, you know, and you have a lot of love in you, but you, it, it just can't get past it or depression, you know, it's like thinking about the past. Jesus talked about how hard it is for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven because they care about money. We see that a lot, right? In our society, people care about money a lot and you value people and rank people based on how much they have, how good looking they are. And then your identity becomes in, about those kinds of things. Yeah. And that's really not good because they don't last, you know, I mean, it's, it's not good. It causes fear and like, you're always jockeying for your spot and wondering how you're being perceived. You're not just being who you are, right? So like there's the rich man, there's the people with money that come up to Jesus. So, and it's a different thing for each person. So this one guy's a tax collector, he's stealing from people for the Romans and keeping some for himself. And he comes to Jesus and he's like crying and he says, I'm sorry. And, and he says, from now on, I'm not going to steal from anybody. I, I'm going to keep being a tax collector and working for the Romans, but I'm just going to take what's fair. And Jesus says, okay. But then there's this other guy who's like a really rich guy. And he's like, I am very virtuous. I am so virtuous. Uh, I follow all the rules and commandments. And Jesus says, okay, there's one other thing you have to do. You have to take everything you own and give it to the poor. And he can't deal with that. Mm -hmm. He can't deal with it because that's his whole identity yeah. is being a rich guy, right? But Jesus knew what to say to him, but he didn't say it to the other guy. So it's personal. Like, it's like, what is it inside you that stops the love that you have for yourself such that you can truly be yourself in the world and that God's love flow through? Um, remember in this, uh, you know, there's another woman who's a prostitute. She's so sad. She came and she washed Jesus' feet with her hair, mm -hmm. right? That's dramatic. I mean, can you imagine that picture of that in your head? It's like, whoa. But she, she didn't have any penance to do. Jesus didn't say, he just forgave. He said, you forgave her. In fact, before he did miracles, he'd always say, your sins are forgiven. Okay. And then people would say, how can you say that? You're not God. You can't forgive sins. And, and then he'd be like, oh, hurry up and heal the person, right? And he'd be like, he'd be like don't you understand what's important? Here? It's, <laughs> it's the inner freedom, like the forgiveness of yourself, you know, the, that, that matters at the end. And all of this is tied in. In this, in this worldview, you have to understand that God is the originator of um, all of being. And God is love itself. And as such, it flows through all of being through into people. And the task of the human being in order to achieve inner, inner freedom is to accept that 
love that's present within them and then let it go out of them. So like you talk about, um, I don't like the idea that there's this God thing that's originating things because it seems like there's this figure that lives in the sky has got kind of made up by a bunch of people that has a bunch of rules and is trying to keep, you know, trying to, people use that to control, right? Mm -hmm. But in Jesus's worldview, it's a rejection of just exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Jesus is rejecting that. He's saying, no, this is unmitigated revolutionary love through everything and everyone and accepting it is the way that you find your way out of your own inner traps. And so he says, anyone who would save his life will lose it. And anyone who would lose his life will save it. Meaning, if you, if you lose who you are, if you lose your self-image, how, you how you, your persona, how you're being perceived by other people, how you're t what you're telling yourself you are, what you're worried about, what you're scared of, if you lose all that, you will save yourself. If you, if, you, if you try and promote all those things about yourself, you will lose yourself. Yeah. And so what's required is a complete conversion from the ground up, a reorganization of values in a different perspective based on a spiritual re re um, realization. So I told you this one could sound a little preachy. <laughs> it was fair. So I'm sorry about that. But I wanted to get across, this is the, the point of this session was this thing. Because this is, I think at the end of the day, this was what we asked. What made Christianity so explosively popular? Why? Why is it so incredibly popular throughout the Western world, even to this day? In every generation, a genuine challenge and the, the stage for the battle between good and evil. It, it's because of these concepts, mm -hmm. Th this radical differentiation. Um, from normal life to the realization of uh, divine revolutionary love. And I'll stop there. That's what I'm going to stop. How do you like that? You guys have anything else to say? I guess no. we're really happy when we started and now you seem all somber. <laughs> signing off. <laughs> signing off. You ready to sign off? I'm ready to sign off. Okay. Say goodbye to Bob. Bye, Bye Bob. Bye, Bob. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Origins of Christianity. I'm Mike Sullivan, and I hope you enjoyed this latest episode. If you haven't done so already, I'd like to encourage you to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen to this. And by all means, please feel free to leave an honest written review as well. There's so much more on the way next time, so stay tuned, and I'll look forward to talking with you again soon.